And hey, welcome back to the Football Forum podcast uh, with myself and Ali, who's actually joined us back after uh, a week or two's break. Yeah, sorry, paid employment, you know, had to take priority, I'm afraid, but yeah, you know. But uh, on today's episode, we're going to be looking at a couple of the talking points that have happened over the last few weeks. So we are looking at Klopp's, well, well, shocking news, really, and the fact that he's going to be leaving Liverpool at the end of the season, and I guess what sort of legacy he leaves uh, when that comes to play. Uh, we're looking at Man United's young stars and the fact that they look like they're starting to gel now, which is great for me. And Simbins in football. That's something the authorities are looking at. I mean, that has to be discussed because, yeah, don't know if I can get on board with that. And then uh, we're going to be looking at our underdogs for the manager of the year. A bit early, but I think there's been some really good stories that even uh, at this point of the season that could lead towards those nominations. Well, you say a bit early, but we're on the home straight now. We're two thirds of the way through the season, aren't we? Yeah. This is it. True. So let's let's get back into it with uh, looking at Klopp. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, he's, he he dropped that absolute bomb of an announcement saying that he's going to be leaving at the end of the season and breaking pretty much every Liverpool fan's hearts. What's the first thing I messaged you? You you messaged me and you're like, oh, he's leaving. I said, nah, fake news. And then a second later, I came out on the Sky Sports News. I was like, oh, maybe this isn't fake. <laughs> I mean, it, it did take me back. In terms of it, it was a hugely shocking sort of announcement. But it also, I mean, there was rumours, I think either a year or a year and a half ago, because a lot of people look back at his history and say it gets to like seven years. And then after seven years, he kind of seems to, seems to stop. And so whether or not that was kind of hinted that it is where I'd sort of his home stretch, shall we say, I don't know. Well, I think, honestly, when he took over, I thought, how long is this going to last for? And he starts being successful, and you hope it's obviously going to last forever. I I honestly thought it might have been kind of like a Wenger kind of stretch that he would have done. I thought he might have done, you know, the best part of 15 to 20 years at the club. But I think in the next year or so, I think it's all going to become clear why this decision's been made. I I think, personally, he's been tapped up for the German national team. That's my why would you switch? That's my thought. Switch a Liverpool team for for Germany. No disrespect, but German national team going nowhere fast. Exactly for that reason. That that will be his ending legacy to football. I think will be to you know successful club manager, and I think he'll go on to be a successful national manager as well. Well, it's sounded it sounded like in his announcement, you're just knackered. You know, he just he wants a break from football. Well, he probably will. He gives a lot. You can see that. You know, any any game he's in, he's he's ramped on that touchline for the whole. 90 minutes and then some um, so I, I can imagine it does take quite a lot out of him yeah I think it would do I think it'd probably take a lot out of anyone if you you put that amount of energy and that amount of passion into something but it wouldn't surprise me if he takes maybe a year out and then I think he'll be German national team I don't think there's anything going back to the Bundesliga that would do anything for him um, and no I don't think there's any other European leagues that he would want to go in you know, France isn't competitive enough Spain is, I think, used to be the elite at one point, but I no longer think it is. Italy's decent. That could be an option. The Italian, you know, the Italian money. There's no money in it uh, at all. But he doesn't need money. He does. That's not his motivation. But it's uh, to be fair, I think like the Italian game is quite a slow game. So if he comes across with his getting impressive football, destroys everything. Yeah. So I can imagine he'll be quite successful no matter the team. 
if you did go to? Well, I can remember when he first came over to Liverpool. Um, I think a few of the players had commented at the training session, you know, they're all blowing out their arses on the first training session. They, just, they weren't fit enough for the style of play that he wanted. Yeah. So, you know, I think that that's raised the bar of, I think, probably the whole, the whole Premiership. You know, the, the Premier League is a, is a strong league in terms of pace and in terms of physicality. And I think that managers like Klopp and Guardiola have had, to, you know, they, they've raised the bar of that, of the physicality that's expected. He's, he's going to be a huge loss to the Premier League. You know, we, at the moment, we've kind of got those two Titans fighting, you know, year in, year out at the moment, probably pushing themselves to be um, each other's best, um, which I think Guardiola has, has linked to it before. He said it's great having that competitive uh, person with Klopp because it pushes me to be better. And I'm sure Klopp's got exactly the same sort of feeling towards Guardiola. It's pushing him on. The only thing that I kind of wrangle with is the timing's odd in the sense that actually, if you look at what happened in the summer, his team pretty much was at the end. You know, like if you look at the actual age profile now of Liverpool and you look at the fact that they had that salad bid on the table, basically sold every midfielder that he'd spent years building up, I don't know why he didn't do it then. It's a good point. But maybe he thought he still had it in to, to rebuild it and then hand it on. Like no nobody wants to, I suppose, pass a club over, if you are or pass a team or squad over that doesn't have some degree of kind of health linked to it. It doesn't it doesn't do your legacy much good, in my opinion. And it it, 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 it did not strengthen your, your legacy. Did, what if you if you leave a team that needs rebuilt? No, so say you leave it. Say you leave a team that's very successful. Like you've been leaving it on a high. If you left in the summer, it'd still be leaving it. Admittedly, after a poor season. But if you look over, well, that's the thing. A poor season. That's what he would end on. Nobody wants to end on that. Like the team needed rebuilt. There was there was players there who had been amazing servants. Um, but if you look at Jordan Henderson, a lot of the success that we had was down to him as a captain. Probably not the most technically gifted player, but he fitted what Klopp wanted from him. And, you know, he, his legs are gone, in my opinion. You know, he still gets in the England team, though, don't he? He does. But look, you, <laughs> you, you don't lose your footballing brain, but, you know, you can't keep up with, you know, the 18 and 19 year old youths that will run, run rings around you physically. You can't do it anymore. So you, you've got that to consider. You know, again, James Miller was still fit as a fiddle, but again, you know, he's knocking on considerably. He's not going to get in the team every week. That's your core of your midfield. It, it needed rebuilt. Um, you know, parts of the defence were looking a bit leaky as well. So th- this was meant to be a rebuilding season for us. Personally, I think at the moment was where we sit in the league. We're, over- we're overachieving. I don't know. I don't know about that. I think it. I think it's. I think it's kind of like the the league has been weaker in my opinion this year because there hasn't been an outright runner for it. Well, therefore, the league is stronger. If you've got two outright runners, the rest of the league is weak. At the moment, it's wide open. Well, when I say the league, what I actually mean is Man City have been weaker because Man City are just the perennial winners and will continue to dominate everything they touch for the foreseeable future. But realistically, though, as much as I've loved seeing Villa up there, because I just think it's great what they've done, I think they'll probably fall away. I think you're going to have Man City, Liverpool, Arsenal, and if Tottenham keep everyone fit, I think that'll be your fight between those four and we haven't had that for a long time so it's great to see I don't, I mean we'll see I still would yeah people write Tottenham off on their day they, they're they strong they, yeah, they, they can be enemies it's quite a day like you say they've got first and never and then they're they said to get a few injuries that's, that's dead but if they keep everyone fit you know 
like Leicester did, it can be done. You get into a rhythm, you become very hard to stop momentum. To be fair as well, like with the rumours this week with the Salah bid is never going to go away and the fact that it's looking north of 200 mil that they're probably going to be willing to spend on it. That is almost a gift to give away as well. And I'm giving you a team that's still biting. Here's, here's someone we're going to sell for 200 mil. Do you know what I would do? Goals, but I would take it. Oh, 100%. Snap the hand off them. And as much as... Exactly. As much as I love Salah, he is now... I said he's past the 3-0. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Obviously, me and you in that camp. But you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But however, you've got something 200 million. It's the best offer we're ever going to get for him now. Um... That we could, could know as soon as players get over 30. That could buy. Give them their bus pass, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> that could buy so much, though. That that could do so much for the club. And it, we've seen this before when, you know, obviously it was gutted when Michael Owen left, gutted when Torres left, gutted when Suarez left. But You're never going to see that money again, though. No, and, but new, hero, no, new heroes come along. Yeah. And that that always happens. You know, your club is never bigger than just one player. No, I, I, I agree, but... What sort of legacy do you think Klopp would actually leave? Because I kind of looked back and I thought, Klopp's reputation and the style of football kind of makes me feel like he's been more successful than he actually has. And he has been successful, but not to the tune of like multiple titles. Like he's won one league title, one FA Cup, one League Cup, one Champions League, a Super Cup and a FIFA World Cup. No one cares about them. They're part of shit as far as I'm concerned, as, as trophies. But yes, he's won every trophy that you can do from a domestic point of view, as well as the Champions League. But he's still miles behind, you know, when you, if you're just looking at Premier League's in isolation, for the work, the body of work that he's put in, you'd expect a bigger return than one title in nine years. It's a fair challenge. Um, I would say that the one thing he has made us is consistently competitive. So what you would find, what I found anyway, previous managers that have gone by, we kind of have a really good season where we kind of be almost in it to win the league, but realistically it was going to be a long shot. And then, and yeah, and then it would get yeah, further away again. And then it would like, it's the same with um, when we had Benitez, you know. Yeah, Benitez, same with no, as well. We strength for Benitez for one season in particular, but didn't happen. Looked strong for Rodgers with uh, Bledgers for one season, didn't happen. We have been there or thereabouts consistently for about four or five years under Klopp, and that's taken time to build. So that had four shit teams. When, when he came over, I can remember Ryan. Literally, the, the first season he took over, me and my dad went to see Liverpool play away at Hull, and I couldn't get tickets for Liverpool then, so we registered as a whole member just so I could get in. And it was one of these games where we thought, you know, we'll we'll sit on our hands if we score because the people around us were, were not the friendliest type of people. So if we score, we, we we can't jump up here. However, we had no chance of that happening. We were shocking on that game. And I can remember seeing uh, Klopp, he just sat on the advertising board when Hull went 2-0 up, which was I think was the last the last five minutes of the game. We were getting nothing from it. And you could just see him kind of, you know, grin, laughing, giggling away, thinking, oh my God, this is going to be a lot of work. It came in right after the financial, almost like the financial crippling of, of Liverpool, didn't it? Because, you know, years, just a few years previously, you had Suarez up top. Yeah. You sold him and you brought in the likes of Balotelli and Ricky Lambert. And, you know, like, that just showed you the depths of the... the... Well, we couldn't attract no. talent. We, we, we just couldn't attract it. And so he's kind of had to bring in players that he, that bind his philosophy for, say, you know, 28 million or something like that, 30 million, then sell them for 
double or treble that. Um, but but the one thing he's he's been a steward of the club, and because I genuinely believe that he will have said, look, you know, I, I need money to build key positions like goalkeeper. You're not going to win nothing without a good goalkeeper. So we had to spend big on Allison, spent big on Van Dyke. However, he's made some really kind of shrewd decisions. He's been amazing at bringing up youth. And that means that Fenway Sports Group could ultimately redevelop Anfield. We could either move or redevelop it. So for years, the club has been buying houses on the streets around Anfield. It costs about a ten of it. Yeah. I doubt. I'd serve 15. Who knows? But it's a case of, yeah, he, he, he doesn't want to move out, though. That's when that, you get stuck the ceiling there. There, that's right. It's, I'm, an, I'm an Everton fan and I'm not moving out. Possibly. That was a bad Liverpool I'm not moving. I've been to that. So, so they, they built all these houses with, with, the, with this exact plan was to demolish them and redevelop it. Um, and, and it's allowed the club to, to kind of do that. So the, the legacy comes, you know, a, a really high level training ground. Um, redevelopments to Anfield, which obviously helped us with, you know, um, gate seat revenue, better sponsorship deals. There's a lot, there's a lot more to rebuild in a club than just ultimately winning trophies. Um, would have loved to have seen more. Yes, had we not been up against an oil state who just flout financial fair play for years and just you know, doesn't seem to be any repercussions for all of these charges, you know, maybe we would have won one more. Who knows? However, from a fan's perspective, the thing I've loved is seeing us competitive. It's true, but also he's, he's been a perennial runner-up in a lot of things, hasn't he? If you think about the amount of times you've finished second in the league, it, you know, I think you've finished runner-up in the uh, Champions League twice as well as winning yeah. it. Yeah. So there's an opportunity. If, he, if all those, you know, if all those losses turned into wins with those just if you just took the Champions League wins, he would have won three times mm-hmm. under his under his time there. That'd have him. What in nine years? That would have catapulted yeah, that would have catapulted him into the stratosphere of, of managers. Where he stands at the moment, and I said in an earlier podcast, I love Klopp because mm-hmm. I do think he's probably the best manager pound, the best manager in world football at this moment in time. That's how I think. And so I'm not knocking him too much. I just think a return of of that amount of trophies and that amount of time, given how well he did, how good he is actually as a coach, is 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 not a fair return. And actually, if you think about it like this, he's won the same amount of Premier League titles as Claudio Ranieri. Claudio Ranieri, it's lack. <laughs> don't don't knock the tinker man, okay? I love Claudio. He's brilliant. Yeah, there is one. I thought I liked a lot of Claudio and I uh, always felt sorry for him when he initially got sacked at Chelsea and even more sorry for him when he got sacked at Leicester, actually, to be fair. But in terms of like, could you identify a style? Would players be like, I really want to play for Ranieri? I don't think you're going to necessarily find that. Whereas with Claude, there will definitely be players who would you know, run through brick walls for him. Adam Alana being one of them. Yeah, love the kid. And I, I, I really liked Adam Lallana. Um, would you class him as a, you know, an A-star player that'll go down in history? No, probably not. But, you know, Klopp got the best out of him. And, you know, in return, they loved playing for him. But where does he rank? Where does Klopp actually rank in, in Premier League managers? So I know Football League existed and all competitions existed before. The Premier League. have to keep reminding you of that. It did. But if we just look at isolation as a Premier League era... 
where does clock rank for you, you know, as a manager? Where would you put them on the list? Top five? Top ten? I think it'd have to be up there in top five, but I don't think it'd be much higher than that. It's definitely not a number one, is he? No. As much as I hate to say this, as it stands at the moment, that's probably going to be probably going to be Fergie. Have you got it? Why don't we got Scott's with Fergie? Has very many titles. You've got Ferguson like in the stratosphere, ahead mm-hmm. of everyone else. Thirteen league titles. You've got then what? Guardiola's won five. Arsene Wenger won three. Three. Uh, was it two or three? It was three, wasn't it? Yeah. And then you've got like so. And then I think there's a lot of just uh, single winners. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Obviously got Mourinho as well. Sorry. Yeah. Um, he won three. Uh, but then you've got a lot of single winners in like the likes of Dalglish, Mancini, Pellegrini would have won. Um, I'm not sure if Mancini won two though, actually. I'm thinking, thinking back. He definitely obviously won one and then Man United won it the season after. But you've got my in this time that you want to talk about, because obviously nothing existed before the Premier League and when you guys were most successful. But in this time, because of, I suppose, Fergie and United's dominance, and then Arsenal fill in the gaps, and then obviously Chelsea came along. There hasn't been that many other. There hasn't actually been that many winners of it. Different no, clubs. No, there hasn't. What's there been? There's been Man U, Blackburn, yeah, Arsenal, Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool. So you're looking at six. Leicester and Leicester. Sorry, seven. Yeah, easy to forget Leicester and that because they just stand up like so far. Check me on my history. Did Leeds won win the first one? Did Leeds win no, the last? The one before, wasn't it? So that's it then, isn't it? Have, have we missed anyone? I don't think we have, have we? So seven different winners in what? 20, 23 years. years. Wow. 24, 22. Well, it's it 2022, wasn't it, when the Premier League came in? So 2022, 2023 season. So, wow. yeah. 2022. Do you want to go back a bit? 20, sorry, 1992. 1993 season. I'm pretty sure it was the first year of the Premier League. So 30 years. 30 years, yeah. Oh, yeah that's what you're looking at. And it's, there's been, yeah. As I say, only seven clubs that have actually won it during that period of time. He's up there for the standard of play that he's brought in, the consistency of the competitors. Does that knock him over? Like, does, is he more successful or more renowned than Arsene Wenger? Because when I look at when I look at Arsene, the reason I say that is both of those managers came in and revolutionised. It's a great question. You're probably looking on a par. Yeah, Wenger never would never had the European success or European competitive clops had. He took us to he took us to three finals in like what was three finals in the space of six years, I think is. Four if you count in the um uh Europa League, which he lost as well. Thanks. <laughs> but yeah, he has. Wenger didn't do that. Was it with the Arsenal? Yeah, they they were in the Champions League consistently year in year out. Well, but, but, they didn't, but they didn't do much. You know, they were never they were never. I think when teams kind of for a long period of time were drawn in with Arsenal, they were like brilliant. Take that. Yeah, well, I think Klopp's definitely got to be. Wait, he's definitely on the top five anyway. Just on if just to pure league titles. Um, and for me, he's not a million miles off of Begler in, in that third place spot. I think you could argue the top three of those two, but you know, you have to look at it. Pen, he's going to be ahead of him yeah. because he's, had, he's, he's dominated, albeit with 115 charges to to the club's name that he's he done it with. And an open checkbook for however long. And then Man United, he built the club to become as successful as that is. So he would always be streets ahead, even if Pep, got to the same amount of titles as Ferguson. Ferguson would be leaps and bounds ahead of him, in my opinion, 
because he self-generated. Man United became even like such a dominant force under him. But don't get me wrong, the legacy of Man United goes, you know, decade previous to that as well when you look at the Busby times and everything like that. But when he actually took them over, they weren't that great and he's made them into a sustained, great team that everyone knows Man United across the world. And so you can't repeat that. Who knows Man City? Who cares about Man City? I think plenty of people will, will care about them, mate. Only if they're an oasis. <laughs> no, no one cares. Like, no one talks about their treble now because it's it's a new point because the charges are still outstanding on them. So, till people know what's exactly with that, you know, could be yeah. null and void. Yeah. Um, do you know what? I, I, I hate speaking about the success of United because I hate seeing United fans celebrate. However, I get where you're coming from with Fergie. Um, the, you were consistently dominant. And for a long period of time. And he didn't get knackered after nine years, did he? No, he didn't, no. Mind you, he didn't really have a lot of competition, though, did he? Always, no, there was always a club that took well, a lot. I put the fishing rod out there with the bait on, the bicep, yeah. joking. There was always a club that took him far, but... But that changed, though. Yeah. Like, so it, it was either kind of... I suppose we gave you a good run for your money a couple of times, but not much else after that. Probably Arsenal, I would no, say. Yeah. If you look at it, the yeah. Arsenal were probably most... They had Blackburn with an open checkbook at that time. They did. So Jack Walker just yeah. Banged then up they the had guard. Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Liverpool were kind of there in in the mix around that time as well. Then Chelsea open checkbook again. Uh-huh. So batted them off, and and you know became super successful. The Red Arrows at the top. That brilliant team that was. Um, and then, just for our listeners who maybe are like a bit younger. Red Arrow, Red Arrows. You probably you're looking at me a bit gone as well. No, I'm not looking at Grand. I'm just, I just gone. But this must be a Man United thing that only best, people know. Yeah, the the best team United had to actually watch. When we had a front three of Ronaldo, Tevez and Rooney. That was exceptional. Yeah, that was a decent front three. I'll give you that. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I, I think I think Cox Cox done brilliantly. If you actually look at the, the managers, kind of um, immediately before him, that won any titles. You had uh, Gerard Houllier. He never won the big one, but he did win five five titles. Um, still including that rubbish Super Cup. Uh, Benitez has won uh, three titles. I mean titles you're referring to? Silverware. Silverware, sorry, yeah. There you go. And then uh, way back when was uh, David Leach because there was obviously a big gap in between successes. So, you know, David Leach actually did win three Premier Leagues or, well, three league titles, which called the First Division then. Um, a couple of FA Cups and uh, what was then called, I think, the Carling Cup. So, no, I think it wasn't. Are you sure it was called the Carlin? I didn't milk. These are milk cup. I'm sure it was the, the, the Coca-Cola cup. Also. And they're doing, it wasn't even Coca-Cola cup. I think that was in like, I think that was in like the early 90s. In, yeah. It, yeah. Um, I, I, I think, I think joint third would be probably a fair, fair placing for Klopp. Well, anyway, let's, let's move on to a, a team close to my heart from one from yours in Man United and their resurgence in, in recent weeks with their young Sergeants. You don't win anything in February. <laughs> you don't, but actually, no, you can. You can. You can win the League Cup in February. There you go. But uh, I mean, it was said so much of the of the season down in the dance and having no sort of bright sparks. And I, I sort of did mention as well before, and Cody Mayo, and he just gets better and better each time I watch him. He's absolutely class. Um, but we've now got what I think was United of old in the sense that we build our youth and we kind of develop those into the stars and then they are our world stars. And when you look at Ganacho and you look at Hoyland, 
I think that team is brimming with absolute potential that I hope we can bring it out of them and realise. Are they... Is it going to be a great team? Or is it just going to be a team full of great individuals? Well, the, the funny thing is actually with Hoyland, I feel so sorry for him. Like Every time I watch Man United, it's like Hoyland makes these amazing runs. He gets in amazing positions and he never, ever, ever, ever gets the ball. True. It's a good point. He does. So I feel like if they maximise what he's doing, then he can become part of a really good forming team in terms of like if someone finds a space he'll get the, he'll get in the, the opportunity to score and that is teamwork essentially and, and what, what do you mean by this united resurgence well what are you referring to here they've won a game <laughs> <laughs> same way just finds him yep i love fine yep okay right let's have a look at this okay so since they they last lost away at nottingham forest 2-1 end of december since then, they've won away at Wigan in the FA Cup, local-ish derby, but you would have hoped that you would have had enough to beat Wigan. Yeah, of um, I wouldn't say it was a mega close game. 2-0, fair enough. You've then drawn 2-2 at home to Spurs. Fair result? Yeah, it was. Yeah? Just about. Just about, okay. Yeah. You've then won away at the mighty Newport County. Amazing, yeah. That was for that. That a was a friendly parade. Come on, and that was for Anthony Banner's level. What and celebrated? Yeah, well, like he had scored against the best team in the world. Yeah. They're for him that game. Do you know? At the end of the day, that you know, you can get that though, can't you? Dodgy pitch, you know, team that you're expected to hammer, but you know, you can't fall too far enough, and then you know, you've you've comfortably beaten West Ham. It's not to be fair. Is it a resurgence? Because you've now got a win at Villa. That's going to be a bit of a test. No, it is. But when I say resurgence, when you actually look at how they're playing, that's what I kind of uh, I'm kind of looking at when I'm saying resurgence. Because you are right. You look at that, and it's like a bunch of like games that they should have won anyway. Um, but Man United just haven't had a start of play. They haven't had that sort of swagger that they've had in uh, in, in times gone past. That actually. You kind of noticed it a little bit. There's a bit of... You could still have the same where the title goes here. Because, you know, you've, you've still got... We still have to travel to Old Trafford in April. You've then got... Arsenal second last game of the season as well. Yeah. You know, you could still have a... You could still have a say in what happens here. Oh, Man City at the start of March. Away at Man City. So... You, know, you could still definitely have a say in this. The bigger game's huge for United because that's that's even potentially a route back into fighting for that fourth spot. You actually look at it, not a million miles off it, but they have to win that. You know, you, you find this 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 false spot sometimes in seasons gone by. You can lose like ten or eleven games as long as you keep your draws to a minimum, and you can get false spot. Yeah, I mean, as it stands at the moment, it, there is a gap. Here's quite a sizable gap. You know, What's the gap between points between United and Villa? However, I really, it's nothing. However, the only thing I would say is it is likely that England will still get that coefficient of space, so the top five will get the Champions League. And I think that's probably where they're really fighting for it um, at the moment. So it's one to watch. I don't know. I, 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 this weekend will tell a lot about how good they are. But the only thing you get with youth is you get inconsistency. So they might look brilliant one week and then they'll look shocking the week after. And that's what I think you were kind of suffering from. Because on your day, like when you came to Anfield, you played for a draw. 
you got the draw. We couldn't break you down. You were difficult to beat. Um, hats off to, you know, um, Ten Hag. He got his tactics spot on. Um, there's been times where I think, well, especially against Wolves, you know, I thought that was it. I thought you, you were getting, you know, nothing from that game. Oh, well, it's that stupid penalty decision that never, ever should be done. And then, you know, you win it in, you know, the dying minutes. So, but there is, there is something there. However, I think you've, you've got a long way to go before you get any degree of competitiveness. But he needs to build consistency in the team. And I still don't think he's the right person for the job long term. I do like Ten Hag. I just don't, I just don't think it's him. Well, it's, 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 it's interesting because it's one of the things that we're going to be discussing in, 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 in a podcast coming um, in, in future weeks is we are going to bring together a few Man United fans. My challenge is the identity, the style of play. I don't see it. That's, no, that's what I'm saying. In the recent weeks, I've seen more. Is it better suited to a different league? Can he get the most out of the players that are there? Has he bought well? well if you look at it, the, the the injuries have decimated the squad. And the biggest thing for me, Luke Shaw coming back, has really added just absolute like quality on that on that side because none of our wingers actually put the ball in the box. And then all of a sudden, Luke Shaw overlaps and he's putting it in dangerous areas. And, oh, guess what? Scoring opportunities or goals is actually happening. It's it's not rocket science, but it's something we've missed all season because he, uh, he's he been so cropped. So, I don't know. I, I, I'm I not as pessimistic as I was watching United in the season. It was an absolute, like, you know, I'm going to stab my eyeballs. It's... <laughs> it was a car crash, wasn't it? I'm thinking, keep Ten Hag. It's going great. <laughs> From my perspective, though, another another question to ask you as a United fan here. Obviously, since we last kind of recorded and spoke, um, Marcus Rashford has gone over to Northern Ireland. He's been out on the tiles. It's not gone down too well. Has this just been blown out of all proportion, or should he really have known better based on the position he's in? It's idiotic from him, personally. I, I, I think you know now everyone's got a mobile phone. So if you're out in the public eye, you're going to get snapped by someone. Even just sitting down. Even just sitting down. So doing nothing. You know, the fact that he was out the night before a game doesn't bode well in the first place. And then he doesn't come to trade in. He'll obviously he's out of the, out of the, out of the squad. And however, the only thing I would say is I think that has been managed perfectly thereafter. They've taken it. They've both apologized. Like, not they both apologized. Rashford's apologized. He's been reintegrated into the team and, you know, he's scored. So you can't, uh, it's, people say, well, how come that what him but not for Sancho? Because Sancho was misbehaving. And But you look at it from the point of view of, actually he's apologised and he's, he's backed that up. Sancho, there's, for all intents, I think he's carried on with his poor behaviour. Both both sides have handled that well, I think, yeah. from, from from my view, is that, um, did it need to be blown out of proportion? No, not really. I look at the things that have happened in the past. You've had Andy Carroll, who injured himself, falling off a bar stool when he was hammered. <laughs> Barrettelli decided to sell fireworks in his apartment. You then got Kurt Zuma kicking his cat. It's like, the things are gone's madness. Yeah, having a night out in the ash isn't the end of the world. No, it's just, it's just don't be stupid enough to get caught. I remember at Liverpool when Roberto Firmino, I think it was his first or second season, um, he literally fell out of the car when he was pulled over by the police. Absolutely hammered, absolute idiot. But again, we didn't blow it out of all proportions. Apologise, put up his hands. I did wrong. Lyris is doing the driving from that on, and that's it. You know, things go wrong all the time. We're just humans. You know, we all make mistakes. But you know, that was that shocked me a bit. 
Um, and I think that maybe just kind of did that maybe just highlight that you know Marcus was maybe just struggling a bit with the fact that you know he's made golf fall a bit, maybe just lost his way a touch because he's had success from such a young age. Because it's all that pressure as well. That's what yeah. One of the things is sharing the load because now I think it for. Uh, six months of the season if Bruno or Rashford didn't perform well Man United were toast now that you've got Kobe you've got Foyland you've got Ganacho sharing that load you've got some green shoots yeah coming through and many of them rather than just one or two well yeah I agree so um, let's actually move on to something that was announced that I think they are actually passion forward a bit for next season which is this uh, don't don't I knew this blue card which um but for me, just it just screams amateur hour. <laughs> the way that they're implementing it or what they're looking at doing is just like... What is it, a 10-minute sin bin? Yes. In, in, so they'll issue a blue card and they all sit on the sidelines for, for that. But I don't I don't get the context. What's the criteria for a blue card? This is it. I don't get it. Does it when it's not quite a booking? Uh, a VAR going to get involved in this? Like, well, what's going to happen? Like, is it? I don't. I don't know when. Like in grassroots at the moment, so um, in it's still in the adult game. The sin bin rule does exist, but the referees seldom use it for a variety of reasons. One, you've got one referee, so keeping an eye on someone that they sin bin that actually sin bin for ten minutes is quite impossible for them to do it. It's easier for them to give a yellow card, and two, the offences aren't black and white. So you know, like you say. What would warrant a sin bin and what would warrant a yellow card? What would warrant a red card? You know, would you get sin bin contending ref to buck off? No, you're getting a red card for that. So you should. You can't do that. So I don't know. Like, so swear, swearing doesn't come into it. I don't think you could do. It. I think. Oh, let's have a thought. let's have a good debate about this because they're going to bring it in because you know what they're like. Once they come up with an idea, they kind of hold on to it, don't they? Because nobody wants to admit it's wrong. Taking your shirt off when you're celebrating is that really worth a yellow card? Is it worth a sin bin and being off the field for 10 minutes? Well, if you're not allowed to do it, yes. But is it worth a booking? I don't know. That's just an idea. Time wasting. That would cut down on time wasting. I think, well, well, you know what? They, they could use it for diving. Not time wasting, but diving. That would really eradicate it because and have been a player down for 10 minutes, actually, you are going to get a, a swift... Well, dive treatment from your manager. Diving now is a booking, isn't it? It is, but... So I think a punishment for that would yeah yeah could be well I actually think it would work really well and given the fact that I watched the the rugby World Cup when it was on I think the sin bin rule would work really really well but if they utilise it like rugby so yeah, I don't know if you watch rugby but I'll try not to. I'll give you an uh, an idea behind it so they so a player commits a foul okay and the ref's seen it but he's not sure how bad a foul it is. So rather than disrupt the game and go through loads and loads of video um, reviews, they basically say, right, you're going off the pitch and then our video assistants are going to be looking at that incident and deciding whether or not it was a red card or yellow card. Oh, so we're going we're gonna to sin bin them until VAR have debated it. I would prefer that though, because if you think about it, at the moment, the biggest thing I hate about VAR is the fact that it stops the game, it stops the flow and... There's those sort of minuscule decisions that they have where from one angle it looks like a red, from another angle it looks like a yellow, but they're also thinking, crap, we've been looking at this for two minutes, we need to make a decision, and then it's sort of inevitably they come up with the wrong one. So they're either too harsh or they're too lenient, and then they get pulverised by pundits and fans alike. So I think 
if you get a scenario where it looks like a stamp, but we're not sure, okay, sim bin, they go off the pitch, then we'll have a look at it, and then we'll decide, should that be upgraded to a yellow, should that be upgraded to red, and that can take us up to 10 minutes, if they come to the decision sooner, brilliant, okay, we've come to the decision sooner, definite red, he's off, I think that's how they could make it work, other than that, it's farcical. They could, but then tactically what people will do is how long are they going to be off the pitch for? How long should that review take? Shouldn't take more than a minute anyway. It shouldn't, but we know it does. Then you're going to get people sat in the sitting bin for five minutes. Oh yeah, sorry, we forgot about you. Yeah, go back on. <laughs> I, I, I just, I don't think it's needed. I think it's not needed. They just need to be clear on what's a book and what's a red. Yeah, and also not over-referee the game because I think... I think the benefit that I've had in recent weeks is watching games that definitely don't have VAR in it. It just is so much so much more entertaining. Yeah, it is. For, for me as a fan, like when I've been at matches since VAR's been introduced, it limits your celebration a bit because you feel like a bit of a clown if you're celebrating like a loony and then your goal's chalked off. You're like, well, shit, that was a waste of time, wasn't it? Do you not remember so, the end of the season? So we were at a pub, weren't we? And we are watching the Man U Arsenal game. And, yes, uh, I do remember. Yeah, so uh, to give you guys context, we've we're, we're, got this little stool where it's got our uh, pints on there. And uh, Ganacho gets played for like the 88th, 89th minute. It's like towards the very end of the game. And he scores. And I'm jumping for joy. I'm so elated to the point where I knock the table, knock the pint, everything. Yeah, you were me a pint. Yes. And I'll be like, yeah, it was going to two-thirds full as well. Come on. <laughs> so pies go everywhere and I'm buzzing. And I just hear Gary Neville going, oh, I think it might be offside. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, am I just celebrating like an absolute tit to only have it ruled out? Yes. And correct, you did. And then the worst thing is, is say it was given... I've celebrated, and then I don't know, and then they go, oh, it's a goal. So my second celebration is not going to be that euphoric rise with pipes going everywhere and all that sort of stuff. I'm just going to go, yay, goal. And you see it with players as well. Yeah. They almost like shake each other's hands and high five and stuff on the second celebration. And it it is. And uh, you know, I, don't, I don't know what the answer is because VAR, it, at first I thought it was us. No, it's just you know it's just Britain. We can't be trusted with anything. But then it happens all across you know wherever it's used as well. So, so it's not ju- it's not just us. It's just you know obviously we hype it up because we're we're good at stuff like that. But I, I don't know. I just don't think this blue card is necessary. I just, I just think it's another thing to overcomplicate. Let's be honest. Football's a simple game, isn't it? We don't need we don't need to change it, and I, I don't welcome it at all. So um, I did say. We're in sort of uh, the early parts of February now, and uh, I think it's probably a good chance to look at who would be the manager of the year or the potential managers of the year. Now, I don't want to look at the almost the gimmies. You know, people will go, oh, well, it's going to be Klopp, it's going to be Guardiola, it might be Arteta if he wins, all that sort of stuff. But there's always stories and probably, I guess, better accomplishments in the in the table than just winning it and for me I guess an underdog or a couple of underdogs when I look at it are Rob Edwards at Luton and Gary O'Neill Rob Edwards at Luton must have like if you look to the Premier League budgets for all the teams I think Luton's is probably a fifth of their next team above them like 
And then when, if you compare that to Man City, don't know what their wage bill is, but I assume it's you're talking north of 200, three, 250 million. Lewis is probably like 20. You know, not that our listeners can see this. I knew there was a reason why you were wearing a retro Luton Town top. Oh, well, do you know, if any of the listeners are old enough to remember this, Sponsor's Bedford Trucks. They don't even exist anymore, I don't think. I don't even know what year that's from. This is an old eight. Is it 80s? Wow. Oh, look, it looks spot on. I love it. Um, I think everyone expected Luton to be popping up the table and to go straight back down again. You know, the, from a quality aspect a bit, like, if you actually look to, you know, like I said, your video, they're playing. They've come on a bit. The, to be honest, they're actually probably ended the season stronger yeah, than they started it. If you looked at the names, they've grown into it. Aside from Ross Barkley, who's been absolutely amazing, I have to say that, he, you know, he, Gareth Southgate should be taking a serious look at him because he's been, he's been phenomenal. But if you look at their actual players, like the, the general fan probably couldn't name five million players. Do you know what I mean? So, the fact that they've got unknowns who are really punching above their weight and they've come together as a collective, you can really see that it's a family club. And I love to I'd love to see them sound like M. Keegan, but I'd love to see them. Would you live it? Would you I would I'd love it if they stayed up. I absolutely would. I don't see any reason why they can't. Um if they keep their squad fit, um I think I think I think maybe a step too far in my opinion. Ross Barkley being called up for England, but I, I get what you're saying. He, he's played really well. They need to keep him, and I think Adebayo fit. I think there's still a good chance of staying up. I do. Um, you, you know, Burnley will probably go to Anfield and win this weekend, but I just don't. I don't see Burnley getting out of it or Sheffield United. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> just as well. Sheffield United mild up bit, and Luton have got a game against them this weekend, and you know. I, I, they have to win that uh-huh. and if they do win that it, you know it just strengthens their position even more but look at the job that Rob Edwards has done not just not just um, you know bringing them up and actually fighting for their place but you know the stuff that he did with Tom, Tom Dock here and the fact that you know you could see how much that actually meant to him how much that affected him as well I think it impacted the whole of football you know, it's, it's, it's awful yeah but we don't want to say anything like look, that what happened to Dock you know, happened it's just not. It's not good to see, and it's it's a scary thought. But actually, the 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 person that sat behind the manager came out to the full front there in Rob Edwards. So you know, I I think even more linked into him after after all of that and everything that went on. Um, you can't help but feel for him. And um, yeah, but look, it's going to be close. I, I I don't think they're going to have the capability to pull away from the bottom three. I think it will literally go down to... I think it's going to go down to the wire with them. It, yeah, I think it, I think it will. It'll be interesting. If, if not an Forest, yeah, points deduction. I actually think that season is safe. Because I don't... I, don't, I, I can't see... That's a, that's a proposed that's a proposed reduction for Forest. Like, if it's 10 points, I think for Forest, that would be game yeah, over. Yeah. But I don't think they'll get out of that. The only other team I can see going in there is, is uh, Crystal Palace, because I just don't think they have anything. They've got... Oh, their only good players are now all injured. They got Eze injured and Ise now after that. That was such a stupid decision to put him on. I can't stand it. I don't even know why Lisa agreed to play. It's like, come on, he must have known. Have you seen him in an interview? He is hilariously bad at interviews, Lise. He's like, oh, did you do um, uh, basic one-word answers? It's like, uh, how did you think the game went? It goes, well, 
<laughs> just he doesn't want to he doesn't want to be in interviews if you look at the clips of Harlan back in the day when he used to do interviews and maybe he doesn't maybe he doesn't but, but, but I, I just think about that, from the club that's what's come out from the club that the fact that he's such a quiet person he wouldn't have said no Ray Hodgson should have known better with his managerial experience to risk him over, he's obviously been misled by his by his physios and coaching staff there's no Even he, there, there's no there. way that he should have came you're off you're freeing it down leave it so, I think you're right. I think for Palace, I think Palace could get dragged into that quite easily. I think Fulham have got too much quality. I think they'll, you know, they'll be they'll be fine. They could be fine now as well. Now they got Ivan Tony back. They look a different animal. They, they do. So, so, so you're saying that um, it's Palace Forest, and I, I think Everton will get out of it personally. So I think it's either Forest or Palace that will join the the other the other two that are currently down. That's going to join Luton. Yeah, but. If he stays up, a remarkable job, and he has to be a serious contender for manager. The other person is Gary O'Neill. Why? Why not? Seriously, why not? If you look at Gary O'Neill and what he's actually been able to achieve at Wolves, so Lopetegui left Wolves because he was like, this team's going nowhere. They're going to get relegated. They're crap. Like, I can't have that on my CV. He left them. Gary O'Neill comes in two days before the Man U game. No preseason, nothing. Now look at that team. They're sewn together and they're fighting for everything. And a lot of pundits would have gone, balls look at that. They could struggle this season. They're sitting mid-table. And comfortable. And in mid-table. And if you look at the job he's done over two years, so not even just what he did at Wolves, what he did at Bournemouth, like similar thing. They had Scott Parker who basically said, all of these players are a bunch of shit. They can't kick a ball. I needed reinforcements. You haven't backed me up and brought anyone. This team's got to go down and finish bottom. He goes, Gary O'Neill comes in, keeps him up comfortably. So hit the body of work that he's put in over the last two seasons is amazing. Yeah. So why Okay, okay. Why can he not be considered? You you have to remember one year Tony Pubis won manager year for keeping Palace like pushing towards sort of European places. So why could uh, Gary O'Neill not win it? I know it's not a sexy game. Well, I just but... think I think there's been do you know I'm not mocking the job he's done. He's done. He's done a good job, but what about people like Unai Emery, taking you know Villa up to fourth at the moment? You know they're only five points off the top. You know it's a phenomenal job. Um, and at Tottenham, you know he's they're competitive again. Yeah, but uh, I don't. David Moyes at West Ham. Do you listen? What are West Ham fans expecting? Did you expect they're seventh? Yeah. Okay, but with with those ones there. Okay, a West Ham fan would expect them to finish in the European space around that arena. Not necessarily getting one, but you'd expect them to be pushing for it. Well, if you think about where you expect, Tottenham are safe. No, 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 West Ham are not. Because if you think about the clubs that you would naturally expect to be in this gap where they are, you're probably looking at Newcastle and Chelsea. I, I think West Ham should be not if you're a, West Ham. a little bit lower down the table than they should be. Yeah, but if you're a West Ham fan, you think you're deserving a place in Europe every season. Yes, you're over conference league positioning, but that's where they're at. So I don't think I don't think it's a massive overachievement for West Ham. You know, they have spent a lot of money over the last few seasons. Um and I just look at it. Seventh is probably slightly over where I would expect them to be, but it's not a bigger, as big of an achievement as the likes of Wolves, as the likes of Lincoln just, you know, not being in the bottom three and not being in the bottom three comfortably. What about Deserby though at Brighton? Nah, 
not this year. No, the eighth. It's probably in the eighth. They're so inconsistent, though, aren't they? Yeah. They, they win one game 3 0, lose the next 3 0. I, I just, I think, I don't, I think Brighton, he's still done an amazing job and I still really rate Zerby, but I couldn't put him in manager of the year like conversation. If I was to vote now, if you're excluding, if you're excluding Klopp, Guardiola, and Arteta for, for this argument, it's, it's Emery all day long. That's not just because they're next where they are in the league. They have played some really nice football, and he has got Villa Park a really difficult place to go. Yeah, no, I agree. I, so, I do actually like to see it, and um, I, I guess the only shame was that they got knocked out of the FA Cup by Chelsea recently as well, because I actually thought that could be a cut that bit of win, you know? Uh-huh. Well, yeah, it could have been. But, yeah, and like, if they, don't get me wrong, if they finish in Champions League spaces, that'll be so buzzing for the, you know, for the Midlands. So sometimes they win a club like Villa, who are overachieving this year, that having, having cup runs can be distractions for them, because ultimately I think the fans would trade anything to be in the Champions League at the moment. So it it gives them that focus. No, I agree. Okay, so let's end it on the killer question. So it's uh, I'm gonna go and do this. This is kind of like a new segment that we're just gonna be trying out for the next few episodes. And um it'd be my turn to start off with. So I'm gonna ask if you could change any player's nationality to English, and this is with the aim of winning the Euros, what player would you pick? And this is no other, no other parts of the setup's changing, so it's still going to be managed by Gareth Southgate. All the other players are still there, and it's going to be the roughly the squad that you'd expect him to pick. Who would you want as an English player coming to the Euros with them? And that question's being fired at me. Yeah, Kylian Mbappe. Why? Why? Physique. He's quick. He's agile. He's got his football brain, and he scores goals very easily, cutting in from the wings. I think that combined with the England team at the moment, like you've got to look at the England teams that we've had recently. We look solid at the back. We look solid off in midfield. We just don't finish off the chances as well as we should. He'll create chances. He'll bury them. Mbappe for me all day long. See, I think that England are that badly stacked in attacking lines. Given that their front three is normally... Poacher. Poacher, yeah. good poacher, but poacher and penalty taker. Yeah. So you go, got that covered. Yeah. So you've got Harry Kane. Admittedly, Mbappe plays best, but he's not necessarily naturally. Mm-hmm. You know, he likes to drift wide and, and sort of utilize that that part of the pitch. But you've got Harry Kane, you've got Rashford, admittedly, not in good, good form. But if it, we're talking about Southgate here, he's picking Rashford, isn't it? And then you've got Foden. So I look at that and go, that's not a bad from for It's not. But Mbappe, he's a winner. He is a winner. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's excellent. I, I watched the, um, there was a... There's drags a, teams up. It's he a is. Netflix series at the minute, they've got captains. Uh-huh. I watched that and actually showed a surprising side of Mbappe that I've never seen before, where he was he was going round and really like egging people on and being like, we don't lose this. You know, two two finals in a row. Let's go again. Speaking it. of which, I what I listened to very moving podcast actually with Stephen Bartlett and Thierry Henry. Um, and Thierry Henry was I can't remember what the name of it is now, but there's a football academy in Paris that basically all of like the best have have come from. I wonder if Mbappe went there. 
Oh, was he there as well? So he was a Paris. He was a. It was a Paris. This is why he went back to PSG as well because he, he Paris. Maybe that links into that mentality of you know rallying because he comes across as quite a quiet character. But you know maybe you know that's that is what like, you know we do. They rally people. And the only thing I would say, I think that's what they teach you there as well. It doesn't just teach you how to be a good footballer. I think it teaches you how to be like you know a charismatic person on the football pitch. Yeah. Okay. So I get his charisma, but I would the only thing I'd always question with Mbappe is his work rate. He's been in a team which has dominated so much. He's almost used to winning without necessarily trying so hard. So, but he's the key for that England team up front. The thing that's the hard workers, the same one at the back, solid in the midfield. He doesn't need that. to have a massive work rate because no, he might. So, because I disagree a little bit, and the reason why you just love to disagree. Yeah, I do. I love to. I, I love to disagree. Really life. If we go for the England team, right? Normally, this is the England team, isn't it? It's got Pickford in goal. Okay, so I'm happy enough with Pickford. Could do better. Could do better. But you're not talking about a huge strike. I, I will. We're digressing a bit, but hey, so what? Um. Pickford has never let Southgate down. So I get why he keeps choosing him because, yeah, he's never let him down. No reason not to. But there's not a huge jump up. Do you know what I mean? There's better goalkeepers out there than him. Small arms. Yeah. But there's, there's, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's not like there's going to be a huge jump up in class. Carl Walker, still amongst the best right backs in world football. If you don't pay him, you play Trippier. If you don't play him, you play Trent Alexander. If you don't play him, you play Reese James. We're stacked at right back. Well covered. Yeah. So absolutely fine. Centre back, we usually play Harry Maguire and John Stone. John Stones, happy with it. Harry <laughs> <laughs> so, what the fuck? Right. Left back, you've got oh, Harry you've got Chilwell, you've got Luke Shaw. Okay. Midfield, you're saying solid, okay? Calvin Phillips still gets picked. Jordan Henderson still gets pinned. Majority of times that he still play in the central midfield position for England. It's not where we're very solid at all, in my opinion. You've got Declan Rice, though. Excellent. Solid. Yeah. Jude Bennington. Brilliant. Okay. And then it's usually a front three, like I said, a Foden, Kane, Rashford, typically. Okay. So for me, if I was to pick anyone to change their nationality, I'm actually picking Wadri. Dude, he was... He, he was a consideration of mine, yes. He's a dirty sod, though. Yeah, but if you actually look at what that would enable everyone else to do. If you, if you put Rodri in that team, that changes the whole complexion of what Declan Rice can do. He doesn't have to be as much a holder, because he is the holder, really, now. For, for Declan Rice is actually really good looking forward when, exactly. he's, when he's allowed to. Yeah, so let him look forward. Rodri can be the anchor man. It kind of solidifies the defence, because as I said, like, if I wasn't picking Rodri, I'd be picking another centre-back. I'd probably be picking Ruben Diaz, to be fair, because yeah, he ain't going to win anything in Portugal now. But it's like, or I'd even pick um, Saliba from Arsenal, just because I think that it's a pacey option that we haven't got. So I'm giving you three, but Rodri, for me, is is, is, is right at the top. I think that solidifies the defence, it solidifies the midfield, and it enables all our attacking players to do whatever the fuck they want. Who else could pick as well? Um he really impressed us when I watched Tottenham play the other week as a fan of A. Oh, the, the, pace, the pace of him. My God, he was giving, he was giving people a two or three yard head start yeah. and he was still catching with these and his, when he, when he tackled, you know, when he went to ground, I thought, my God, he's going to half them here. He got it spot on every single time. And when you slide in, you've got to, otherwise you risk it in yellow, aren't you? But he was quick and I thought, wow, like, wow. 
you would just, as a goalkeeper and other defenders, you, you would have so much confidence if you had somebody like him who could make up a couple of yards on people in your team. Yeah. Well, if, I mean, if either of those players, let's be honest, if either Mbappé or Audrey was in the England team, I'm, I'm sure I'd be ha- having a little bit more hope of of, of uh, England actually bringing the, the, the cup home or bringing, bringing the football home, as we always love to say. Um, but uh, no, we'll end it on that. It's, uh, it's, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. See you next time. Take care, guys. Bye.